0: good day listener how are you doing Mm-hmm. wow well thank you for sharing that i am super excited because today i am re-uploading my conversation with dio genti in honor of indigenous people's day which was on monday and as dio says indigenous people's day should be today and every day it's a really lovely conversation and i just wanted to reshare it since The platform has gotten a little bit bigger, so I would imagine some of you have not listened to this episode yet. Fair warning, at the time of this recording, it was maybe one of the first three recordings I ever did. Uh, The show was about something a little different, and so in the beginning, you hear a little bit of that. But other than that, you know, content remains the same. Enjoy. Would you like the medium to long version or the shorter version? (laughs)
1: I mean, we could do a medium to long because I think we're still getting to know each other and it's great context.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. So basically, the initial idea was born out of not seeing myself reflected in my interests. So I'm interested in biohacking. And anytime you look up anything about biohacking, it's just like a slew of Australian men. Um, so not anything that I can really relate to. Um mm-hmm. So initially what I was thinking is, okay, I want to create a community, like some, like virtually or in any way that I can, that is showing like, here are Black people, Black people um, in these like esoteric passions, because of course we exist in all of these ways, like we're not a monolith, we all have interests in this way. So that was kind of the initial thing and then it morphed more into because that doesn't really make sense in terms of like I don't know if the same audience cares about an illustrator that would care about a pageant girl you know um and so then that morphed into more of how did anyone get where they're going um and so now I'm more thinking about uh the easiest example is like I think everyone who wants to be a musician thinks that the way to be a musician is to be like Tyler, the creator, to be Beyonce. But what about like licensing your work or like making uh, music for shows? Mm. Like that is also a very sustainable way for you to be like uh, living and embodying your passion and your work. And it's not at all what you think that, like it's not the thing that we talk about. Totally. Yeah. So that's a little bit where I'm going.
1: Cool. That's beautiful. And what's biohacking?
0: Biohacking, it's like, um, it's like (laughs) sort of treating your body like a machine, but not in a mechanical way, just in the way of what nutrients and what vitamins and what practices help bring your body to its like peak performance. Um, and a great example is like grounding, like sitting on the ground, apparently the rubber soles in our shoes, it stops the uh, electric current that runs from the earth into our bodies because I think we have a positive, a mostly positive charge and the earth has a mostly negative charge. And so that like transference is actually very calming to our nervous system, but because we're wearing shoes all the time, we're like losing that current and so just sitting on the ground like not in a house just like on the ground um is like an incredibly easy way to calm yourself but that's not necessarily like nobody knows about that unless you're looking for it
1: that's beautiful that's that's like one thing that i always tell friends when they're um if they're spiraling or having mental intense mental health issues is to mm-hmm. go outside and to physically connect to the earth you know to feel yeah. the between their hands you can take your shoes off to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's cool to hear that there's even, you know, there's like science behind Yeah,
0: well, I Anything think that's know. the best part for me of biohacking is there's so much like spirituality or some people prefer like woo-woo, like stuff that is actually scientifically based. It's just that that's not necessarily, again, what people are talking about. I'm really just trying to get to what people are not talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: that's beautiful well thank you for thank explaining you. that definitely helps me like see where you're coming from in just a more in-depth way
0: yeah that's good are you ready to get started
1: yeah let's do this
0: awesome um hmm. how do i ever want to start these all right okay no i hate that i'm sorry
1: <laughs> you're good don't worry <laughs>
0: Today, I'm so excited. I have with me Dio Ganti. Um, They are an Akwasasne Mohawk musician who plays with the mediums of sound design and oration. They have a recent single, which is out now, called Studis. Um, They have an upcoming album called Born Again Resbian, and they use poetry and lyricism to uh, show cultural resiliency and distort the imperialist visions of their homeland. Hi.
1: Woo! <laughs> there you go. It's gonna go again. Thank you for
0: having me. Yeah. Thanks for being on here. Absolutely. Um, why is hearing the sense that you appeal to
1: with your work? Good question. I love that. <laughs> yes, sound and oration. Definitely one of my favorite mediums. I've always been into to radio. Um, but I think it connects further in our which is um, the people of the longhouse where our traditional lands are in like upstate New York in the Northeast. And our traditions are still carrying on our culture, our language, um, our traditional teachings, but we pass them on through oration, right? Our traditions are all oral. Mm -hmm. And that's how from a young age, I've been taught to like, Sit and listen to my elders, to not talk, to not interrupt when elders are talking, because there's so much value in the word. There's so much um, knowledge and wisdom and perspective from anyone you're talking to or listening to, and and that is in a form currency. You know that is mm-hmm. wealth. That is how how you sustain. culture that's how you sustain your traditions um and so in learning this young I've just adapted that in the way that I move through the world in making sure I listen as much as I talk but to use my words as carefully as possible and as with purpose yeah and I think that it also is a form of decolonization because so much um is written so much is used um there's like a colonial context that's created when things are written down and mm-hmm. they're stamped as being correct or incorrect and those aren't you know influential of our own put in so passing things on through oration and giving um power to the word is is also a form of decolonizing for me
0: yeah this um Brings to mind a question on, like, ownership. Mm. So copyright in America is a big thing. And I wonder if you have any feelings towards copyright, trademark, and how that impacts your work.
1: Okay, I'm smiling because (laughs) nobody really knows this, but I had an internship with the Washington internships for native students. It was called wins and it was through American university and they like got all these different native kids from across the, across Turtle Island. We applied for the program. My sister was in it and so she told me about it and you get paired up in the district in DC to, you know, in an internship. Well then you also take classes at American university on like American Indian law and. Forget what the other one was. But anyway, my internship was at the Patent and Trademark Office. Oh. <laughs> so I like strangely have like all of this knowledge way back there about patents and trademarks. Um, um, yeah, but it's a it's a process, right? Like the Patent and Trademark Office is is a part of the Department of Commerce, right? So it's set up to make money for the federal government. And I think that's kind of like it. just an important thing to understand, you know, about patents and trademarks and copyrights is they make the government money. And there's so many intricate forms and there's so much gatekeeping. There's so much like legal understanding and processing that you have to have in order to be able to file, right? To be able yeah. to read all of this jargon. There's so many barriers. Right. So- I think like that in itself, it's like this very exclusionary form of like what dictates what art is and what art isn't. And it's a criteria that I personally am not aligning my work to. Mm -hmm. Um, I can see the benefit, you know, in, in like mainstream pop culture for different people to protect their work. Um, especially like people of color, black people, indigenous people, mm-hmm. whose work may have been stolen or may have been, you know, um, appropriated in so many different ways. So I don't like fault people for entering into those systems, but they don't personally work for me in the way that I choose to sustain sustain my work. Mm-hmm. But like, if I want to have my music on Spotify, you know, I have to get it registered through BMI or ASCAP. Yeah. which is essentially like making claim to a beat, you know, or making claim to your music. So yeah, it's like all a part of the systems that you want to be a part of and and how you want to play mm-hmm. the game, you know, the game of capitalism.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you consider your work to be yours or w- once you put it out is it for I don't know. Is it still for you?
1: That's a good question. I think continually. I always try to center my ancestors, my predecessors, um, in my own family. Right, like my my grandmother is Cherokee, Pawnee, and Wampanoag, mm-hmm. and she was a model, actress, dancer, singer. She was like on Broadway for The King and I. She was very musically inclined, knew like a whole library of music, you know, that I was never privy to until she like educated me about because she grew up in, in New York City. Wow. Yeah. So I think that there's like influences like that. There's like different playfulness. There's different ways that we engage with music that's like were influenced by because of, you know, family members, maybe they were more playful and, you know, just wanting to freestyle more or make music, which, which my dad helped, helped me do a lot. Just kind Mm -hmm. of take the seriousness out of music and always making up songs. But I think that I'm a, I'm definitely a product of my environment. And um, my words, my actions are a continuation of my ancestors and I have my very unique lens because I have, the, you know, political understanding to know that I'm non-binary, to know that I'm queer, Mm -hmm. you know, to know that I'm, I have lots of different privileges um, because of my educational background or because of the, you know, lightness of my skin and the same um, double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. But I think that creates like a very unique perspective, but I'm very much influenced by by the people who came before me, as well as um, all of the predecessors in hip hop, you know, like I'm yeah. engaging in a medium that was started in, it started in the black community moving its way from Jamaica into the Bronx, into New York. Um, but throughout that, there's been natives, indigenous people to Turtle Island who've always been involved in the medium. hmm and so, yeah, I'm very much influenced and, like, grateful, you know, because all of the risks that people took prior to me allow me to have these freedoms and allow me to have this education that I that I have today to create this perspective.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you mentioned play earlier, and I'm really interested, especially with... Um, Pussy vortex, I feel like, is a lot of fun, <laughs> and I, I just wonder how play, how you interact with play while you're working, or creating.
1: Play comes in by, yeah, like I have nieces and nephews, for example,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and encouraging song, encouraging dance, um, encouraging creativity to p- pick up instruments. To um, just like be willing to make mistakes, right, and to mm-hmm. foster an environment that is non-judgmental and that allows one another to be be playful, where there's not criticism or where mm-hmm. there isn't fear of being judged. And I think, like as artists, a lot of us cultivate that. Um, maybe it's by ourselves in our bedroom or maybe it's with a group of people, but okay. I think having that is like really important. However you choose to to let go or however you choose to, um, be limitless, you know? Mm-hmm. So I try to just, yeah, employ that like throughout my life is making time and room for play. Um, and, oh, yeah. And then and when, when I'm in the studio, being around people. Like I, when I'm most comfortable, that's when like the best stuff comes out, Yeah, you know, because I feel so supported and that's when I'm like, okay, I can be on the microphone and I know I'm, if I get feedback, it'll be constructive, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm a real advocate for play. I think that the concept or internalized idea that once you're past a certain age you're not supposed to play is so harmful actually to a lot of Mm -hmm. like beautiful things that could exist and it's fun (laughs) it's just so much fun to play
1: definitely agree
0: yeah what does flow look like for you flow i guess flow is
1: is all sorts of things as i i'm like just understanding all the different I guess, ways I express myself, that's what I'm kind of, like, coming into a deeper understanding, this quarantine
0: mm-hmm.
1: is, um, you know, all the things that kind of support me and allow me to get into a flow, like you call it, you know, so
0: yeah.
1: even talking, like, I've been doing a lot of different guest lectures or yeah. Zoom workshops or, you know, like, coming, I, I, went into a meeting with a group of people to talk to them about like indigenous sovereignty and the roots of mutual aid. And I'm like, Oh, okay. There's like a flow that I get into with with talking, you know, with, Mm -hmm. with sharing or expressing myself or, or telling a story. Um, And that's like a flow that I've been, been falling into more. Um, There's definitely like also the flow of like rhythm, you know, Mm -hmm. of, of being on the microphone or, or writing. And when I'm like, okay, this, I'm onto something right now. I got to <laughs> stay in this mode and keep, keep this going so that I can capture this.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I wonder how many people are experiencing like the benefit. Well, uh, that's maybe not what I want to say, but I think with everyone being in quarantine, a lot more people are experiencing what is possible through solitude and what happens when you just have nothing else to do. And I think that's where a lot of creativity can come from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm very interested to see how we all come out of this. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah.
1: It's really fascinating to see how, um, how youth are choosing to, to spend their time, how they're dividing up their time and different self-control people are having with, um, social media with technology and how people are needing to create those boundaries you know within themselves but I feel like this is definitely a, a time where people are learning so much about themselves in like an introspective type of way it's Like yeah. we've all been forced to reflect
0: absolutely you deliberately work with only um, people of color that's a choice that you're very public about right Mm-hmm. I would love it if you would explain sort of your rationale behind that and then what is your process of like finding these people to collaborate with?
1: Absolutely. So I've deliberately, I like that you said that, Mm -hmm. um, work with folks and people of color because in the past, um, when I was first getting into hip hop, I found that I wanted to connect with the hip hop culture. And in doing so, that meant not working with white people because I often have a hard time i guess connecting there's so much of of hip hop for me that is like directed at it's an expression right so there's a lot of a lot of anger, there's a lot of honest upheaval of emotion, and I found that when in the past when I worked with different like i i've battled a white person before who told me that they won because we were on reservations that happened like a really long time ago and i was just like uh like uh like you're the you're the enemy type. you know like yeah. the i was just like this is not what my version of hip hop is not a tool to continue to oppress like native people
0: yeah
1: or any person of color so i was like eh you know and that kind of like pushed me away from even wanting to be in freestyle circles with white people because they might say some off the wall type of shit you know mm-hmm. and that was a coworker at the time and i would just have to be like er skirt no working with white beat makers i found like i would have different people who would approach me after shows you know all different types a lot of the times so the white men wanted to try oh i want, i make beats and i want to try making hip hop ones Mm -hmm. I don't have time for that. I don't want you to try a genre that you've never been a part of. You know, I don't want you to like come from this outside angle with a perspective that is just not reflective of hip hop or its culture or its roots. And then I've worked with white, in the beginning, I worked with a white mix engineer and he gave me a mix and he, he took out words where I was calling out allies. I said, there's no allies, more like a lie, and mm-hmm. they took that part out, and I just was like, well, that was purposely, deliberately put there, but there's this like, um, it's inevitably like a a filter, right? Yeah. And I didn't want that white lens on any any of my art, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to deliberately give um, opportunity to folks people of color, Black people, Indigenous people, because I see so many opportunities handed to white producers, handed to white directors, to white photographers, to white beat makers. And resources have continually been handed to white folks. That's probably why they're masters at making beats digitally is because they've been supported their their whole lives um they're you know like in in all of these different ways and i've watched this through like nannying white kids in park slope it, which is a very rich neighborhood in brooklyn and you see that these young kids are in a beautiful way very supported in their creative endeavors And my mind was blown. I'm like, oh, this is what it's like when you have like wealthy parents that are able to support you and pay for your additional lessons in in piano or in singing or in vocal. Mm -hmm. It's like opportunities are continually handed to white folks. So I'm like, let's share the wealth, literally. Let's share opportunities. Let's broaden perspectives and challenge ourselves to just work within community if that's even a challenge you know Mm -hmm. and I will say that I've worked with um on my last album I did work with a a white man for to help mixing on two songs Mm -hmm. three songs and that was like something I had to go back and forth with in my mind but I was like my friend Max Max Harris he's amazing he's a executive producer on my upcoming album Mm-hmm. and he's a, a you know black man and we talked about the decision to work with this white man David he's Italian mm-hmm. very very nice guy and how David had a skill that I needed in this certain instance and in sitting next to David I was able to work with him in a very collaborative way where they were not pushy of their opinions, they used their, like, technical skill and ability to visualize what I needed to have done. Yeah. And so it helped very largely to push my album forward uh, because it was kind of stuck at that point because I had hit a point with with my production where I'm, like, I'm... So on this album, I'm mixing... Mixing it myself
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm taking on all of those tasks myself, which basically wow. means like all the inc- intricacies and fine details, the volumes, the echoes the the backup vocals, the ad libs, all of these layers in there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm like, as I'm learning, it's taking me a really long time to finish the album because I'm learning as I go, mm-hmm. but I also have to know when I've hit the limit of my knowledge and when I need to reach out and ask for help, right. So I'm working with, I've worked with a bunch of different Native producers on this, namely Mo's Beats. He's mm-hmm. from um, Aquasusne. He's a Mohawk artist. And um, I've worked with Zebuwan. They're Anishinaabe 2 spear artists on this album. Um, I've worked with Nolan. Nolan is a um, Resboy Beats out of Aquasusne. They're a 20-year-old producer. And I've also worked with um, Sacramento Knox, who's an amazing native hip hop artist, producer, beat maker out of Detroit. So I try to be, you know, as inclusive as possible um, with my album, yeah, by pulling in people from every angle, you know, Mm -hmm. supporting my people because those are like, I've I've gotten to the point where my friends are my collaborators who I trust, and those are the people I want to work with.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. You had a line about allies and it being a lie. And it reminded me of, there's, I went to a conference recently, the Black Solidarity Conference, and one of the professors who was speaking, he said that he doesn't want allies in the workplace. He needs accomplices because they go to jail Mm -hmm. with you.
1: That's beautiful. Yeah, I forget what there's a zine, but that's the title of the zine, or accomplices, not allies. I've also heard, I've also heard it called, we need traitors to the white race. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what somebody at Standing Rock—they're like, I'm—they were a white person, and they said, "I'm a traitor to the white race." And we're like, "Well, denounce it, denounce white supremacy and all of the the ills of whiteness."
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you've mentioned like speaking and doing guest lectures. I'm wondering what other things have come with um, being a public figure. There's also like
1: community work that I do. Mm-hmm. um so I use my music in like different classrooms as well and that's probably one of like the most moving yeah and like that like that part of the work that I do that like continually inspires me is having um <clears throat> my work come full circle so that I'm giving back to the communities that have taught me so much you know and that yeah. have sustained me or held me supported me in different ways <clears throat> And like last fall and summer, um, I did a program for formerly incarcerated people on my res, on my reservation. And it was a program that was like a job readiness program. So it, people who were formerly incarcerated could enroll. And I taught a class called Productivity Hacks for Living in the Digital Age. Mm, and it was yeah. on Google Drive. It was on adding attachments or being knowing how to use Google phone or knowing about Dropbox, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, just a lot of the work I want to continue to do is, is share the knowledge and the information that I've gained in the outside world on my travels and, and, just bring it full circle.
0: Yeah. That's really beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. Do you prefer to work solo or in collaboration?
1: I think it's collaboration because I did have, I did make a song called do it ourselves, Mm -hmm. but I, the more I reflect on it, I'm like, it's not do it myself. It's not dim. (laughs) It's a deal. Do it ourselves. Because I, I, I'm, I learned from, I've been playing the trumpet since I was young. And I think that that created like a whole, musical like technical composition kind of background. Mm -hmm. Um but when I was in my earlier 20s, I met up with a friend um who goes by Tiger Paw now. They're a DJ, amazing producer, and they deliberately taught me about um DAW's digital audio workspaces and producing music on my computer or my iPad, even my phone and using what was available to Empower myself, and that's what they like deliberately did was taught me skills so that we didn't have to depend on cis men or white men, right? Because Mm -hmm. a lot of sound, a lot of if you like are performing at a show, it's very frequently a white man behind the soundboard, you know. So, Mm -hmm. the more we can empower ourselves with these with knowledge in the industries we want to be a part of, the more then we can teach somebody else, right? And then you're like creating a community, you know, you're creating the culture that you kind of want to, want to see. Mm-hmm.
0: So much of it has to be, so much of innovation just comes from like, what is annoying me or like what is not representing my interests and how can I just make a space that does that?
1: Yep, definitely.
0: What are you telling the world? I'm telling the world, I
1: mean... I think as long as I'm alive, that we're still here. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of my existence, although this sounds exhausting, is fighting erasure and creating visibility. Um, Because inevitably there's situations I get into where people tell me I didn't know there were natives in upstate New York. I didn't know there were natives still alive that could Mm. speak their language you know and so you're encountered you're constantly encountering um the proximity to genocide you're constantly and you're constantly dealing with like living in say a place like upstate New York with people who just have no awareness of the rich culture and deep political sovereign history of the Haudenosaunee It took me leaving, going to Oakland, going to, you know, Ohlone territory over there, going to um, Pacific Northwest, seeing different Squamish um, territories, Navajo, the Tine, Pueblo in the Southwest, and seeing how visually celebrated um, their cultures are. You know, there's visual representations everywhere Mm -hmm. in form of art in the form of different you know tourist attractions or billboards or there's just a presence an indigenous presence in a different way than i ever grew up with in upstate new york mm-hmm. and so being back in my home territories it's something that um i will be forever working on is is sharing sharing our truth as well the more that i dig back into the histories of these land and the more i learn about um the Sullivan and Clinton campaign that was mm-hmm. devastatingly put in pay- place by George Washington that was mm-hmm. one of the first acts of genocide that the um, that America took its hand in was against the Haudenosaunee, taking our lands in upstate New York mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's a lifetime of work you know yeah. and I also want to just yeah continue to raise um awareness on the ways of like disenfranchisement of the the Patriot Act and how our lives have been forever changed um, as Native people living close to a border because you know, now border patrol can border patrol can search within 100 miles of entry any border um, entry point. Wow. Which takes away our our jurisdiction as a sovereign nation and our ability to travel freely through our homelands because we're constantly subject to federal jurisdiction because we mm-hmm. they put the border through the middle of Aquasusi. Damn. So there's like a lot of fights against resource extraction um, locally, and then showing solidarity for my indigenous siblings. Throughout Turtle Island and the fights that they're facing against resource extraction, against um, exploitative tribal councils or against um, violent, the violence against missing and murdered indigenous women, two spirits Mm -hmm. and transgenders.
0: Wow.
1: It's a lifetime of work, you know, I'm like, I'm like starting to finally look at the long game and I'm like, oh, okay, we'll be, we'll be busy.
0: Mm hmm yeah speaking of the long game, how do you feel like your journey as an artist differs, if at all, to maybe what you imagined when you first decided to commit your life to this?
1: I guess I didn't I didn't foresee all of the speaking opportunities. like when I, I got reached out, it was at Yale. There was a Yale Native um, summit, an uh, Ivy summit for Native mm-hmm. students. And I went and spoke at Yale as a um keynote for the conference. And that was so powerful and moving. And I got booked after that for all of these different gigs. I went to Brown. Well, I went to Brown to speak on one event called with with the native student organization. Mm-hmm. And then I came back to speak at a queer conference. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I got, I kept going to other, I went to Duke, I went to, you know, um, George Mason, I went, you know, I've been to Stanford, I've been to Columbia. So I've gone to all of these different universities mm-hmm. in a way I never imagined. You know, I'm like, I don't gotta pay to go to the Ivies. They're giving me an honorarium. <laughs> like, yeah. Is, wow. So, and that's been powerful to like go into those spaces and to talk about, you know, the stolen land that, that they're on and mm-hmm. and bring that type of honesty into into those institutions. Yeah. Shake up shake them up a little, you know. <laughs> lay, lay down a couple prayers for mm-hmm. I'm sure the inevitable people's that people's lives that were stolen and time and energy and land. Mm-hmm. So there's a a lot of yeah, just continual sprinklings of work that there is to do, you know.
0: Yeah, of course. I do want to be respectful of your time so we can move into the lightning round, if that's okay with Absolutely. you.
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: Cool. I'm trying out the sound effect that I make with my mouth for the lightning round. Are you nice. ready? Yeah. Cacao. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Um. No one else likes it.
1: <laughs> Cacao, I mean, that's a superfood
0: yeah, everyone keeps thinking of the food. So maybe instead it's it's not the lightning round, and it's some sort it's the super food round.
1: <laughs> super food round. I like it.
0: yeah, nutrients for your brain and your soul and your spirit.
1: yep, exactly.
0: <laughs> Excellent. I'm editing none of this out. Okay. if you had to explain your work to an alien in two sentences, how would you do it?
1: I mean, I have so many, like, questions. I'm like, can the alien read my mind? Because maybe we would look at each other in silence Mm -hmm. and hold hands. (laughs) I'd be like, alien touch my heart. (laughs) And you'll you'll have it all. Look in my eyes while we smile at each other.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then I'd probably just snap, and then I might spit a verse. Yeah, I think that's great. That would be be my two-minute alien talk.
0: (laughs) Perfect. What is the, like, optimal physical environment for your work for my work it's
1: to have basic universal income for everybody to abolish prisons Mm -hmm. to free all the political prisoners free all prisoners from jail to make sure everybody's housing is covered to make sure that people are fed and clothed and that people's basic needs are met you know like that's like the depth of the work Mm Because I think it goes beyond just like being in the studio. It's like stolen land to be returned, reparations to be paid. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. And my last question, what is your favorite of your own songs? And what is your favorite verse that you've ever written?
1: Good question. So I have some new music that's so amazing. And it's, it's getting ready to come out. It's all, all of my favorite things are on there. Like mm-hmm. I have a new song called Step to Me. Mm-hmm. That's the production on it. I just love it. I did a really good job. I'm very excited. There's another one that um, I, I created called Top Floor Penthouse. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like my, ly- my lyrical skill. It was like Ooh. really, really good. And then there's another one I made, I made called Blue Panther Clan. Um, and the verse that I really like, I was purposely trying to tell a story. And it's like, um, my rebel ancestors weren't moving for Jackson, so a small little fraction went up in the mountains. They hid and established a future inhabitants. The seeds got planted. Our survival was demanded. That next generation, no future plan. And so that's a bit how I have landed with this mic in my hand and why well, I take a stand because they want to still kill the Indian.
0: Wow. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's really beautiful. That's powerful verse indeed. Thank you.
1: You know, trying to tell a little bit of history. Fuck uh-huh. Andrew
0: Jackson.
1: Sure. But also the resiliency and the strength of my ancestors who who didn't who didn't move with the Trail of Tears. And they stayed. And yeah. sharing survival.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on. Oh, actually, plugs. Please do plug yourself.
1: Plug myself. I'm, my music's available on SoundCloud, on Spotify, on iTunes. And I'll be dropping an album soon. And that's really... The biggest project I have right now is just finishing that mm-hmm. and the last thing is that I have a music video for Studis coming out and that's featuring my niece Mercedes um mm-hmm. Peaches Blanco and my cousin um J-O-C produced by Mose Beats and yeah waiting on the music video but excited for that
0: awesome cool I'll definitely have that Yay. Um, thanks again for coming on this was really fun
1: Yeah, this was awesome. I appreciate all the in-depth questions and Mm -hmm. the time you took to do research. And Mm -hmm. I feel honored that you wanted to include me in this. This This is a lot of fun.
0: Thanks. Hey, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Check out Dio's stuff. They are really cool. They make great music. And don't forget to subscribe to the show. Rate and review five stars, please.